Well, hello and welcome to episode 209 of The Call Room. It's our final episode of 2023. So let me take this opportunity to say a big thank you to everyone who supported the podcast during the year, uh, no matter if that means uh, being on the show, being live in the Zoom room, coming to our live events or buying beer from our online store. Uh, it's been a big year for us and a big thank you to everyone who's made that happen. Obviously, a cast of thousands, but most particularly my good co-host, Mr Warren Wu. A shout out to Warren uh, for all of his efforts to make sure that he organises his family life and many other things besides around being able to be on the show. And look, a shout out to all of the listeners. We love the fact that you guys tune in. It's always great to see those uh, numbers roll in for people listening to the podcast. A great way to make sure that you never miss it and a great way to give us a little Christmas present is to make sure that you subscribe uh, to the podcast in whichever format, wherever you listen to us, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and make sure that our numbers stay nice and high so that when we're trying to get awesome guests, whether they're in the flesh or whether they're from uh, on the Zoom room, we can make sure that we can get them because we can point to the number of downloads we get. That's what we did with Pat from Willie the Boatman and uh, we'll be going to be chatting with him shortly. As a little Christmas end of year bonus, we're going to bring down the price of the last two tasting packs that we have from Willie the Boatman to just $25. Go and check out our online store to make sure you can grab that great value beer, particularly if you're in parts of Australia where Willie the Boatman doesn't normally get to. And that way you can enjoy the right beers as we're chatting about them. Plenty of other fun things in there as well. Lots of treats, lots of fun bonus things from deeds and so forth. Really good prices on those. And of course, make sure you grab your crew merch. Uh, T-shirts, hoodies, all sorts of things are on there and a great way to show the world how much you love the cool room and spread the word about it. We love that fact. We're hoping there's going to be oodles of those uh, out on display on the 29th of December when we head out to Hawker's for our live end-of-year show. Uh, Maz has organised some great beers. He, of course, is a great quality guest, so full of stories, and um, you can jump on the website, grab some tickets, care of Hawker's, and you'll be able to make sure that you can come along and enjoy what should be an awesome end-of-year event. But don't worry, we're already lining up our online shows for January as well, and 2024 is going to be an awesome year in the cool room. I can't wait to share it all with you. But let's get over to the Zoom room right now and let's get underway chatting to Pat from Willie the Boatman. Well, hello and welcome to episode 209 of The Cool Room. It is our final Thursday night in The Cool Room Zoom Room for the year. We're still to welcome Adroit Theory uh, into The Zoom Room on a Sunday afternoon, live from the US. We're really looking forward to the 29th of December when we're going out live to Hawkers. Uh, But this feels like a little bit of a live episode because... For a very, very rare occasion, Mr. Warren Wu and I are sitting next to each other with Lionel the English setter beneath our feet. Uh, here it is. We are here live in Kensington. And what's more exciting than that? Well, we are looking live at Pat up there outside, well, I was going to say Willie the Boatman, outside the HQ, the house of Willie the Boatman. Mr. Warren Wu, first and foremost... How is dealing with the fact that we're an hour late getting underway? We have no script. 
Uh, I've had a beer with my good friends, Custard and Tickets. Yeah. This this just feels like an episode that could go uphill or downhill. Yeah, badly. it could go anywhere. It could go anywhere. But we'll. we'll it's, oh, and it's great watching Pat ride along, and we're like seeing his neighbourhood is amazing. Um, it looks like a wonderful day there in, in Sydney. Um, yeah, how are you doing, Pat? Um, don't talk if you're going to crash into anything. No, guys, I'm on a very safe back street, and I'm doing incredibly well. It's a beautiful, balmy evening here down in... Uh, well, actually, I'm not in uh, the inner west at the moment. I'm in Shell Harbour, the beautiful uh, Shell Harbour on uh, the New South Wales south coast, is, uh, which is where I've just recently moved to uh, uh, for a lot of lifestyle choices and, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful place to start your day every uh, every morning and head to the big smoke and sell piss and make people happy and, um, you know, live a full and happy life, I'd say. I, I love it. I love for anyone who's live in the Zoom room, we can see what you're writing past. People who are uh, listening to the podcast version will explain a bit more in a minute. But I'm also getting heebie-jeebies, a word we used beforehand, because uh, my son is 12. In the last school holidays, we went up to Central Australia. I bought him a drone, and he got more and more confident on flying that drone around. He took some great footage until he ploughed it into the side of a hill and basically wrote off his brand-new drone. And, mate, I'm a bit worried we might be heading for the same scenario of recording some kind of live... Uh, uh, a whole terrible incident. Are you sure you're safe out there? You're very safe, very safe. I'm, uh, I say I can see the park where I'm going to, and uh, I, I must admit the stability of the front carriage of the pushy has my open tinny still, uh, still high and dry, and uh, we're looking good just hitting around about here. And, uh, and, and, and for people just listening to the podcast and not being able to see things live, Mate, that's a ripper helmet you've got on. Um, I love the design. Uh, very, I'm, just very picking, dynamic. I'm just picking up on Mark's comments in the chat. Um, really loving the fact that you're, you're, you're abiding by all those local laws that Chris means, and I'm sure Elbow himself would endorse. A hundred percent. You'd be appreciating the 1980s stack hat. Uh, that I'm currently wearing. It's that golden egg yolk colour. I didn't realise they still made them that colour. Or have you just held on to it for a long time? I've just held on to it, mate. It's it's the original. It's the original. I got it off KTL, or mum and dad got it off KTL anyway. So, I I think anyone who... I am showing my If you will know what you're in for, we're in for a really fun night. Um, we're super stoked to be joined uh, by Pat. We're super stoked to be joined by Willie the Boatman. We've got some great beers with it in our six-pack that has gone out to subscribers. And uh, I think we might have one pack left maybe in the Zoom room, Shopify. And just to give people a bit of an idea, on the beers that we're supposed to be talking about tonight, I think we're going to cover a whole lot of things because Warren and I and a few in the Zoom room have already kicked off with the Rogue Draft. We're going to go to the Elbow Powwow. We may have already drunk that as well. And then we're going to go to the Nectar Nipah and then finish off with the Crazy Ivan IPA. But there's well, so much I, to talk about on all that those. Sounds, it sounds like we're starting it with the semifinals and we're absolutely going to kick it off with a terrific uh, West Coast uh, 
East Coast Grand Final, which is always, uh, being an a, a AFL fan, um, ha, has always been a great way to finish the year when Sydney plays uh, the West Coast or, or a Melbourne team plays West Coast. Well, well I mean, yeah, yeah, we're, we're all abuzz about the North Melbourne girls down here, mate, but, oh, Jesus Christ, I have this vision of you riding off the end of this pier. <laughs> no, I'm just setting up so I don't annoy my, uh, my family. Because so, they obviously hear me barking about beer a lot. So um, Can you turn the camera around one more time? I'm going to take a screenshot of the whole thing if that's all right with everyone. Who's on yeah, there. yeah. Is but, that um, up the right way? I mean, wow, golly, that's... Oh, no, I've taken one, you're upside down. Are you just doing cartwheels? Are you some sort of Russian <laughs> gymnast? Because I don't think you've kept the camera up in one direction the whole time we've I been think together. I'm just that excited to be talking to you guys. I, I am doing cartwheels, yes. <laughs> that's a really good answer. That's the best, that's the kindest answer we've ever had. Uh, just stand by. I'm getting the... Uh, I'll just give you the full effect of the... Look at that. Yeah, wow. That's, that's your lug and carry. I did mention I am sponsored, right? So that's your lug and carry. <laughs> so go on, give them a good spruik. We'll put them in the... We'll put them in the yes, uh, lug and carry. Yes, oh, my Apple Watch is telling me I've just done a bicycle uh, exercise. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, they're a great company and you can sit on the back. You can put the kids on the back and... We're actually uh, next month launching our e-beer deliveries. Did I do something bad then? We're doing e-beer deliveries on our e-bike, which should be a lot of fun. Terrific. That sounds great. Now, I really feel... So the question we normally open up with, we're going to try and keep to our question things, but I've got to say, after 208 episodes, this is episode 209, you've asked to go unscripted. You're the first guest who's ever asked to do that. And we are normally terrible with a script, yeah. so I can't wait to see how this goes. And this is very much end-of-year Christmas party theme, I reckon, tonight. Right. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, wow. The yeah. way that colour, the, the way that sunset just glints off your stack hat is a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, I was going to say earlier, PayPal's like the new Timu, or the old Timu. It's, but it's, anyway, moving on, let's talk about beer, let's talk about booze, let's talk, let's about, talk about where you are. So normally, and we have so many listeners from around the world, and we sort of joke yes, about the right. but genuinely, Thailand finished second or third in the last month. We, we have the, these people all around the world, the people who don't get where you are, and it is just a gorgeous spot. We can see that physically for those in the Zoom room. Give us a bit of a feel for overseas listeners who've almost probably never been to Australia before about where you are, what time of year it is, and um, about just how special it is to be enjoying a beer in your part of the world. I am in a place called Shell Harbour, which is just just under or just on 100 kilometres from the CBD. It's uh, south coast New South Wales, so about a 90-minute drive into town. And um, it's just uh, it's just a, a haven of estuaries, beautiful surf beaches, amazing mountains to climb, which I which I'm a, uh, I have a, a huge passion for, 
And uh, it's just a very quiet, enjoyable, beautiful part of the world to live. I've spent 20-odd years in the inner west living in Sydney, in inner Sydney, and I had an opportunity when I met a beautiful young woman who lived down here, and I went, you know what, it's time to get out of town. And... Um, and I've taken the opportunity, but it, it is a glorious spot. If you do ever come, just head past Wollongong. It's about 30 k's past Wollongong, essentially. It looks really special. I genuinely am envious. We've been down drinking on the Yarra here, for those of us in the pool room, down at Ponyfish Island this afternoon with a couple of mates. Uh, Lovely. But... um. Also, give us a feel for what Marek feels about because we're going to start to talk about the elbow power element. Before we talk about the man himself, before we talk about the beer itself, give us those feels for Marek, Bill. We've had a few other breweries on in the past from that part of the world. But, um, again, for people overseas, for people who are just listening for the first ever time to the Cool Room podcast, give us a bit of a feel for what Marek feels all about. Oh, Marek is... Wow, yeah, Marrickville is now, uh, I suppose, possibly, well, definitely Australia's mecca for, you know, density of of, uh, breweries. I mean, you know, the batch started 10 years ago as a physical brewery. Um, I think they're having their 10th birthday this weekend. We, We started six, we opened six months after after Batch, and literally it was young Henry's in Enmore, Batch in Sydenham Road, Marifle, and us in St Peter's. Um, now uh, you, there's uh, Grifter, who back then were brewing out of young Henry's. Um, Grifter, Sauce, Pork, Filter, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. They're, they're, I can't even tell you how many... I, I think there's a wayward. I think there's about twelve physical bricks and mortar breweries, if not more, in Marrickville. Um, it's it's absolutely extraordinary uh, the growth, and it's in the last sort of six years that that growth has come. Um, and you know, it, it, I mean, we've got Chuck Hans, just Chuck Hans and Son are just about to open up in St Peter's and we've got future brewing in St Peter's. But then you go across and, and, and we're still talking almost walking distance from Maracle. You go to Alexandria and you've got Yulee's bracket, half, two halves, someone 50 million, and you've got six or seven other breweries. And so essentially you've got 20 breweries all within uh, a four-kilometre radius. It's extraordinary. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's an absolute uh, mecca for beer. And you know what? I'll, most of it's pretty bloody good, and I'd quite happily have it in my fridge at home. Yeah, I reckon you're right. It's, yeah, there wouldn't be one that I'd say maybe not. Yeah, every single one of those the, those beers in the in pretty much it is in Australian beer mecca. I was at um, I was in Collingwood yesterday, and I. In my head, it probably would give Marrickville a run for its money, but in reality, no, nah, you're right. There's there's so many breweries that that are out there. But it's pretty, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's amazing. Um, let's let's before we get too far, 
Um, just checking. You grabbed a four pack of uh, Elbow Pale Ale, so we. I did. Yeah, well, we should talk about it while while you got four pack sitting next to you. So we've cracked one as well. So um, listen, I've got it in my little esky. Yeah, we are. Very big. So, and I've got the new branded ones. So I've got the. Um, I have Rogue Draft, which is. Okay, I'm drinking Marrickville Lager, but really the difference between Rogue Draft and Marrickville Lager is a, is a slight hop change and a um, and a can can outwork. Right. But uh, there's very little difference. But there's the. I mean, I know the viewers at home can't see that. But there oh, are you. We like, I can tell you've done there. You brought in a bit more of the white of Elbow's T-shirt. He looks uh, even more pure than he did before. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. Listen, look, how that came about, everyone thought that was an election thing and that... that, um, that can, can I, I, I don't want to cut across you there, mate, because I, I feel, again, for our international listeners, like I need to explain a bit of context here. So Elmo is what we call the Prime Minister of Australia. Uh, Correct. Elmo is bizarrely a friend of the podcast. We've only ever had one podcast that we deliberately didn't record, and that's when Elbow was on. So Elbow has been uh, part of a beer podcast here in Australia, which, again, for most overseas listeners, will be the weirdest thing to think of. But when he was opposition leader, uh, I guess about, oh, gee, I don't know, September two years ago, as in 24 months ago or thereabouts, he was on the podcast talking about how much he loved his local beer industry. And you guys have a beer with the Prime Minister of Australia on it. So I'm sorry I had to set that scene, but again, for overseas listeners, there'd be a lot of that which just sounds really weird. Like, it's hard to imagine uh, Biden, let alone Richie Sunak, just wandering down to his local craft brewery and being part of a podcast about beer. Oh, 100%. Look, the the, the thing, and as a, um, just before you put it all into context, so I started Willie the Boatman about, uh, well, we're coming up to our 10-year anniversary in February as a bricks and mortar brewery. And the whole idea, oh, big uh, big mullet just jumped in front of me. But um, <laughs> I think we need to set that into context as well. But, okay, let's just keep moving. Yes, 100%. Uh, listen, and so the whole idea was Willie the Boatman was a local guy in the Addings in the 1820s, was sent to Australia to row across the mighty Cooks River, and he's buried at the end of the street where the brewery is. So what I uh, decided to do when I opened the brewery, rather than name, just make up names, I thought I would actually um, name beers after the after local living legends. And Anthony or Elbow and I had... Um, Worked on a local couple of local campaigns and, and quite significant ones together, and so therefore I named a beer after um, our local member of parliament, Anthony Albanese, Elbow, as we all uh, affectionately call him. So that was ten years ago, and that was a long time before I think he, he even had aspirations to become our prime minister. I have said to him, and I will attest, he doesn't like it, but I like to say I backed him in before he backed him in. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So the, um, and, uh, well, 
you know, I've, as I say, I've got a beer named after Albo. Everyone knows how I bite. So, um, you know, so we... Um, it, it, it's a terrific beer, and, the, and it was devised in my, um, in my back shed, actually, for my brothers-in-law. And people think it used to be a corn ale. It's no longer... We've taken the corn out, and that's basically because it's really hard to get good Australian brewing corn. Um, You're right. And, uh, and after 10 years, we just got really sick of explaining what a corn ale was to people. Um, and it, we, so the thing was, it essentially was a really, uh, back in the day, pre-prohibition beer where farm had hands would essentially put corn and water into a bucket, spit, and let it ferment. And it became known as the American Lager. Uh, and it was a very much a working man's beer. I, I would suggest that it, it probably came around by guys who probably didn't have the ingenuity or the capabilities of distilling. And that that is the true origins of the beer. I'm not saying that's what we did to make the corn ale or the elbow, but what I did make it was a very light, Really, really refreshing um, pale ale with, with some corn in it. And because of its really working-class roots, I thought it really stuck well to Albo and, and, and where he's come from too, being, you know, the son of a, uh, a single mother growing up in a housing commission um, in the local area. So I, I just thought it was an appropriate beer to call after to, to, uh, in honour of our local member. Has he dropped down and had a couple? Uh, he's had more than a few couple, yeah. He, uh, he was a, before he was Prime Minister, he's been in a few times since he has been Prime Minister, um, but he was a regular on a Sunday. And we would pop in with Toto, which is his dog, and he would draw the meat raffle every now and, then, now and again on a Friday night. So, as an, aspiring, a as an aspiring politician... Mm. Uh, I don't know how Warren votes, but as far as it gives me sort of interest, are there any local government planning disputes that you'd like to share? Because most of our episodes have at least one of those. Ah, of course, love of God, please do not do that. But <laughs> were, were any of the local issues that you uh, that you dealt with back with a young Anthony Albanese about planning, or were they much more sort of bigger? Oh no, they were. They were. We're talking essentially. We're talking about West Connects which is a massive road that went through right through the heart of Tempe. And um, it was going to be above ground. And um, thankfully, uh, we got it, well, I mean, we got it put underground. So that was a significant win. For those familiar with education uh, policy in Australia, think Barry Jones's Noodle Nation in about 1997, I remember as a road project now underground, and you'll have a pretty much a, a clear idea of all of how that yeah. works out. Um, it's a very inside the beltway joke that one, but yes, trust me, it works. It works. It uh, works. <laughs> but we've got to get out. We've got to get out of the local government. Yeah, yeah, we very, really, really do. But my big question out of all this is, having been around for as long as you have been. Having seen these beers evolve and the recipes evolve, we often talk to brewers about how those recipes evolve. Um, the, the pluses and minuses of, you know, how the original beer was, 
how this beer is and the changes that you've had to make to production methods. What What's the good and the bad out of all of that? Uh, the, the good is I think we've finished with a really light, it, very easy drinking, very, um, I mean, every day guy could pick up this beer and just smash smash eight of them responsibly. Like I, I highly recommend anyone going into any bottle shop and buying two four-packs, not one, two, but, <laughs> and drinking them responsibly over a weekend. Um, the downfall, I think, for that was it was quite a big decision for us to take the corn out of the because it was a, a big part of that beer and it was a big part of the history of that beer. And it was a 10-year history that, of, of having that corn owl. Um, so I, I think it, it, it's pretty sad when you, you, know, you have to buy 11 kilos of corn per bag from Wisconsin and get it sent over to Australia when, when, when you know, we've got, you know, we're dealing with, uh, you know, beer has a, can quite have a big uh, eco footprint and you, you, you do everything you can as a brewer and a brewery owner to reduce that. And it's not about cost, it's actually about reducing the, the eco footprint of, of our industry. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, just while we're on it, what's what is brewers' corn like? What what's the difference? What where, where's that quality? What are you looking for when you when you try and source brewers' corn? Look, the uh, Brees corn was a really fine flaked corn, and it was, it was it's a beautiful product. There's nothing wrong with it. It's an absolute. But it was so finely um, shaved almost that as soon as the as soon as it, it hit the water, it would almost start dissolving. It was a, it, it's an absolute beautiful um, a beautiful product. You can't do kernels because you, you'll get too much extraction, uh, sugar, sugar extraction, and also you'll just end up with <laughs> literally a really corny taste. So it's a um, it's it's a very finely shaved maize, essentially. Um, the question that you're kind of delving back into into Willie the boatman as a as a bricks and mortar business. Um, mm. tell us about those bricks and mortar. Tell us about the tap room. What do we expect when we're going in there? Um, yeah, what's where where are we at? What's on the taps? Um, what's on the jukebox? Ah, oh, look, you know. One thing I love about Willie the Boat, I, I, look, we've got a very unique setup where we are. One, if you can find, look, finding us is just half the journey because we're, we're not in a, we're not in a on a main road. We're we're in a in the middle of a suburban, or in the middle of a suburban industrial estate, and like literally, so we've absolutely no street frontage. But it's a beautiful um, uh, brick, red brick um, industrial estate. And, um, oh, hang on, the cheese and kisses is calling me. I suppose I better tell her where I am. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather we pause the recording for a moment? <laughs> just pause and I'll just let her know where we are. Just stand yeah. by, I'll just text.
All right, so we've quickly dived into our next beer, the Nectar Nipa. Um, Pat, what do you, what do you, tell us about the Nectar Nipa. Give us some stories. Listen, I, I can tell you a great story about the Nectar Nipa. Uh, originally, it was called Nebra, uh, Nectar of the Hops. And let me tell you, and I have the brew sheets to prove it, it was the first New England IPA to be commercially brewed in Australia. No, oh, no. I... <laughs> 2016, fellas, April. Wow. Get That's me a brew sheet. Get have me you a... ever put that on your socials? Because if we put it on ours, I reckon it'll light up like a Christmas tree. Oh, I tell you what, please do, and I will send you the, um, I will send you the original brew sheet. That would be amazing. For goodness sake, I don't normally make Warren do things, but grab that, grab that notebook there and under episode 209, write down a reminder that we need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Be- uh, because, I, you know, you sit and, you know, you get these young bucks in the industry and they go, oh, no, it was so-and-so down in Melbourne. Or, and I go, no, it wasn't. It was Willie the Boatman and it was actually Joel Mitchell, uh, uh, Joel Mitchell... Our, our head brewer, who came to me one day and he goes, hey, Pat, I've just been reading this amazing article about all these East Coast brewers and they're brewing, they've, they've got this Vermont strain of yeast and they're, they're brewing these IPAs and there's no business. Just they're brewing these fruit bombs and it's amazing. And, and, and I've, I've, I've tried one. Had you tasted it before you made it? And he, he said, I made one at home. Here, have a try of this. And, um, and I went, oh, my God, that is breakfast juice. Let's make some more. And, um, and we did. And, and so that was 2016, April. Uh, and I, 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 could, I won't upset the uh, record, but I, I've got the actual brew sheet on my phone as I'm talking to you. Uh, with the date, because often I will send it to bottle shops or beer nerds and and say, suck on this, old mate. So um, have a look at that date. So uh, ne- Nectar Nipa is a, is a, is a terrific beer. I, I um, personally have a love-hate for the beer. Um, I, I love how, how much people love the beer. And um, and my hate comes from because probably I, I've drunk about ninety kegs of it over the years, and and it would have been in the first six months of Joel brewing it where I, I think I drank ninety, uh, sorry, uh, seventy eight of those kegs. Um, I a- absolutely was completely blown away by the style. We we called it and we produced it in Long Necks, and it was an amazing selling beer for us. Um, when it was, but we called it, an, we, we knew so little about that style that we called it an East Coast IPA, hmm. which is true, right? It's an East Coast IPA. Um, and we almost called it a Vermont IPA, uh, but we, we chose not to. Um, and then someone released, and, and then Nipah started to come out with a thing. But the problem was, everyone started talking about Nipahs. And, and and because we're we're always living on the asses of our uh, on the asses of our uh, on the you know on the sorry we're always a bare bones brewery is what I'm trying to say. 
Um, but I had 4,000 labels that still said East Coast IPA, so I couldn't change them. I said, well, no, we're going to use these bloody bottles. So it took us a while to to uh, change it from an East Coast IPA to a, uh, a, a New England IPA. Um, it's a terrific beer. It's everything that you want in a New England IPA. Um, it's, it's fruity. But what I really love about it, it just has a little bit of pop hang in the back. And, and rather than some of the other Nipahs on the market, and, I, and I'm not going to name names, um, it, it, there's a bit of a bite, there's a bit of a spice bite to the end of it. And you know you're drinking a beer, you're not having brekkie juice. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think it's just a really well-crafted beer. It's, it's a beer that uh, Joel, our head brewer, has, has really mastered over the years. There's been, it's a beer that he's constantly tweaking and, and I think perfecting. I mean, we, um, it's not the haziest of hazy beers by any means. And, and, I, and being a 54-year-old male, uh, I'm not a massive haze. I hate the haze craze, to be honest. Oh, I want to drink beer. You know, I don't want to drink breakfast juice after work. I want a beer. But I will happily have a nectar of the uh, nectar nipa because it does have a nice little bitterness at the end. Very little, very subtle, but it does have a bit of a bite at the end. Um, it, it is probably, as I said, it's probably its haze doesn't hang around. But then you listen to other guys and they're talking about. You know, they put so many adjuncts to make their beer hazy. Well, you know, just let the beer stand, stand up by itself. You know what I mean? I mean, we're not, we're, not mass- we're not throwing heaps of adjuncts into our beers to, just to fit a trend. It's a great beer, and that's why it got in the top 100 a couple of years ago on, uh, with, with little to, with absolutely zero dollars. I mean, it was 99, and as I like to say, that, that gives it 99 reasons to drink uh, Nectar Nipper, <laughs> if you ask me. Can I ask, because we love talking about the industry as well as individual beers and individual breweries, mm-hmm. what was it like to go out, you know, and, and try to sell uh, a Vermont uh, IPA <laughs> as it was a Viper or her Viper? Yeah, Viper. But what yeah, was it Viper. What was it like? Uh, because people who, there's all these people who are going to be new and will listen to the podcast. They've only been drinking craft beer for two years. This is an established style now. It'd be yeah. bonkers to them that it wasn't an established style mm. back in the day. Yeah. What was it like to get and talk about this kind of beer? Well, look, once again, we're talking about 2016. Um, there was probably only... We, we were fairly well established by then. Um, and we we did leave a lot of we did leave some samples, but you know the beer really uh, oh a pelican just ate a big fish then. Um, <laughs> this is going to be the best podcast ever for non Australians. <laughs> it'll, it'll just reinforce all those thoughts that our entire lives are full of kangaroos and pelicans and mullet. I, <laughs> I, I keep looking around for the deadly snakes. Don't you worry. Yeah, um, just- Mate, if worse comes to worst, remember that people in the podcast will never know whether it's real or not. So, ah. mate, watch out behind you. <laughs> so true. Listen, uh, I can hear the, the classic Aussie noise of someone mowing their lawn. 
African 757 at night. <laughs> he loves his neighbours, so maybe you can just hear me across the lake. Uh, um, sorry. Now I've lo- I okay. So how easy was it? You know what? It was putting it. Uh, it was putting it on the on the publican's lips, and as soon as they did, it sold. In all honesty, it really sold. So it was it was an easy sell, and it, oh, a prawn just jumped. Um, it sold, and uh, I'm not kidding. I could look at this. There's a big school of prawns just going past. Anyway. Anyway, let's go. Get on the bus, mate. It doesn't count. So, um, listen, the, uh, you know, getting juice on the lips and instantly it went into probably 10 or 12 pubs and, and we got it on tap. And to this day, it's probably one of our biggest keg-selling keg beers. Wow. Keg and, and certainly it's definitely the beer that we're most known for. In and the, is that important? Are the keg sales important without delving into all the books? Like, how important is package? How is important is your own venue? How important is getting kegs out to other places? Look, in all honesty, your you, keg, keg sales are very important. They, uh, you know, it, it takes one person to fill a keg and you fill them 50 litres, and it takes about one and a half to two minutes. It takes four guys to fill a can and, um, you know, there's a lot of manhandling when it comes on to cans. We don't have a canning line, so we use uh, another company we, we, we hire in, which in all honesty, economically, doesn't really make sense. Um, uh, they're they're a great company. They look after their beers, but they charge us like pirates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going back to this. It's delicious, by the way. The nectar is just a winner. I can see why it's been such a such a a, a mainstay in your in your uh, range for so long. Um, all right. So bearing down on eight years, like this is it'll, it'll be it'll be. Eight years since you brewed the first one. It's right. blowing your mind, right. isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty intense. It's amazing. Um, what is what have you seen change about it over the years? Like, how has it evolved? What's what's gone on? Oh. That's, that's, yeah, Look, that's you, you know what? It uh, a lot, a lot. So much has changed in that beer, and so little has. And and it's it's a really complex beer. And the reason why it's changed over the years is purely because of bushfires, hop contracts, um, you know, it's, and, and I did say that it's constantly been tweaked and perfected. It, it kind of changes so little and yet it's changed so much that uh, it, that's really a question that Joel would have to answer for you. So I can't, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, the thing is we use one hop and then all of a sudden, you know, we start using Nelson Savion. Not that I don't think Nelson Savion was in that ever in that beer, but, um, for instance, you use a hop and then oh, I think Vic's Secret was in it and then all of a sudden the American fucking brewers decide that, yeah. oh, Vic's Secret, oh, wow, Jesus, wow, let's, let's get on to Vic's Secret. You know, it's like Galaxy, oh, fuck, that, that, that fucking hop's hot, that fucking hot. 
and Citra. Oh fuck yeah! And then you know you can't get you can't get those hops. So and when you're a piss out little brewery in St Peter's, and the hop sellers uh, in Australia, they're the last people they're going. You're the last person they're going to call when they say, "Hey, hey, old mate, Pat." Oh, you know, I've got 400 kilos of citra. Do you want it? And no, of course I don't fucking want it because I'm not, not going to ever use it. So you've really got to always go with uh, what's on the market and what is um, suitable for that beer. So I did go off on a bit of a rant there. Uh, no, that's great a, rant. We love yeah, it. Yeah, we, we love a good rant. So what's, I mean, it's interesting for us to know what your role as founder is now in the actual recipes that come through versus Joel, who you referenced a couple of times there, as brewer. Like, how do you both have your voices heard in what comes out in the in the beer? Oh, look, I would love to say that I'm really involved in, in the recipe uh, development. I'm just not. Um, Joel's been with me since the day. Look at that view. Jeez. <laughs> That's <a> magic. <laughs> Anyway, even I'm impressed and I live here. But um, <laughs> the the thing is, Joel has been with me since I opened the doors 10 years ago. Wow. Um, he's an exceptional brewer. He's, he's never let me down. We always talk about beer concepts before we go ahead. And I'll say, oh, I don't think I can sell that. Or I think, yep, that's a great idea. Um, And and the case in point is a few months ago he came up to me and he goes, I want to do a strawberry and basil sour for summer. And I went, dude, that is such a great idea. Let's do it. And sure enough, um, well, even I wanted to take home some for Christmas for my family to enjoy and there ain't a drop left. It it, it (laughs) sends You know, but so I, we, we work, we don't work closely together, but when it comes to recipe development, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a good, uh, discussion between the both of us, but between what I think is commercially viable and what he thinks will be really good fun to make. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can have the both, but at the end of the day, we are a business Mm. and, and we do have to pay rent, and, and I have, to, and and you know, I do have to pay Joel's wage. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, we get it. We we um, completely understand. Matter of fact, on that, on that though, all right, here we go. And this is a question for you, and also a question on what you think Joel would say. Yeah, Joel could get any piece of kit. What would it be? What would Ooh, be that's the a, kit that you you think Joel would really want? Because I think you I think you've probably mentioned it. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I, I, it's not a centrifuge. Oh, um, it's not a centrifuge. That's pretty, no. They don't have a canning line yet. Don't no, I think we would have a canning line. And you know what? I, I wouldn't be renting a property in Shell Harbour. I'd probably own a property in Shell Harbour. <laughs> If I owned those prawns wouldn't be jumping out of the out of the water because they'd already be on your plate peeled uh, and handed uh, to you. hundred percent. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to catch my own prawns. I'd be buying them. So, ah, 
<laughs> I mean, you think, I mean, let's talk about the economics of canning if you don't own a canning line. And it's a really, I mean, I'm not bagging out the guys who had the canning lines. No, and we get that. Genuinely, we've got to say that we, we, we get that kind of thing yeah. because they've got a very limited, and, and part of the fact is it costs them a fortune because mobile canning lines cost a fortune to run. It's, it's well, a different kind of technology to having it built into a space. A hundred percent, and you, we've got a tiny brewery, well, where the hell would I put it to start yeah. with? Yep. And you, you put a, you know, $120,000 machine with lots of little moving parts and bits that go bing on a truck at, at the end of the day. Yeah. It moves, and it doesn't have to move far for it to cause a lot of problems. Yeah. So, um, so I can, so, you know, um, old mate who comes in with his canning line. But if, if you think about the cost of the can, the cost of printing the can, the yeah. lid mm-hmm. and the fill, it actually costs more to have old mate come to your brewery than the juice you're putting into the individual can. Yeah. 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 Let alone the cost of shipping it down to buddy some bloke in Kensington. To, oh. you know. Well, that was outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, and this is not a knock on you, and I've had no problems. But, like, you know, at, at 10 bucks a 16 pack, you think about what the actual cost that does for margins. Yeah. Oh, and this yeah. is part of, we, we are happy to pull back the curtain on how the industry works, where people go, oh, why does this beer cost so much? Yeah, well, because it costs bloody money to land it properly. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, look, I wouldn't say, when I started a brewery, I, and I, I, I was talking to Matt Kierkegaard the other day. Well, I, I talked to Matt quite a bit, but, you know, when, I did a uh, beerist conversation, and I've done a couple now. And when we started the company, we started with a quarter of a million dollars, so 250000 bucks, right? Now, in the Sydney housing market, you wouldn't even get, or in the Melbourne housing market, you wouldn't even get a one-bedroom Apartment. Oh, no, you, wouldn't get, you wouldn't. You wouldn't get a garage for. No. So and we and everyone said no. You need at least five hundred thousand to a million dollars. Yeah. And so we've we've probably and we <laughs> we never got any more money. However, we've managed to everything we do is on cash flow, and, yeah. and uh, you know, and it's um it's it's but if you put in what we put in, and we paid an absolute fortune in our new brewery, if you put that in today, and this is, um, or oh, another prawn just jumped, um, and if you put that in... Uh, Are you sure there wasn't a brown snake or a taipan just trying to take no, it? it taipan, no, this, I, I would say it was, a, it was your Australian East Coast tiger prawn. <laughs> Tasty and uh, delicious. But anyway, getting back to my point is 10 years ago, brewing equipment was really fucking expensive mm. and it all came from overseas and it was all, um, you know, uh, uh, manufactured. You had to ship it here. And sadly, today, if I was to sell my beer with the state that the current uh, Australian brewing industry is in, I wouldn't, I would probably get more from a scrap merchant than I would for selling it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I said this is a bit of a joke to some mates tonight, but also it was the one that we just finished a big beer festival out at Williamstown here in Melbourne. And oh, yeah, was, I know the festival, yes. We had a ripper time. We've got some great interviews. There's some more to come. Um, but one of those sort of questions is where do you sort of see the industry going? And my sort of, you know, black joke was uh, that... I love black jokes. If you if you if you were buy, if you were going to start a brewery, don't import new gear from China. Just wait for the next one to fall over. Because I'm I, 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 there's already blood on the market. I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have no love of making that joke. To be clear, but it's we kind have, of we have no love in this country of making anything, but um, except for fantastic beer from St Peter's. Yeah. That's the only place you can get good beer. St Peter's, New South Wales, two zero four four. Uh, WillieTheBoatman.com, not .com, yeah. and .com. But I anyway. believe they're very good at lawn bowls as well, but it might be starting another controversy there. Ah, uh, oh, we are, we are. Uh, listen, but um, sadly, uh, I was saying to someone the other day, because uh, we were thinking about tanks and stuff and, and whatever, and I said, don't buy it new. Don't buy it. Yeah, I literally said to someone to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really sad. And I, I kind of, and I was thinking of this, and, I, and I've said this a few times and I've joked, oh, can I turn that around? Have a look at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so much better so, without your, no. <laughs> I, th- I thought the glow of the sun made me look quite attractive. I was, ah! yeah, yeah, it's the, the one they call the golden hour. Hundred percent. Yeah, they get all, if you ever get married. And everyone knows like, that gold, the golden yolk. Stack hat never looks any better than the golden hour. Well, the beautiful thing about having, well, unfortunately, my dog decided that the traditional call room clap was an invitation to jump up onto our visiting guest in our house, Mr. Warren Wu. And we have an even more important visiting guest. I hope you will take that in the spirit that's intended, Mr. Warren Wu. We have Pat from Willie the Boatman. We are talking about so many fun things. Uh, Pat was just revealing that he used to be a television uh, producer and editor and related matters. And um, so he will understand why I have to do some claps from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's uh, a thinking, audio thinking. Yeah. Um, so let's let's continue on. It sounds like you've got a story about Crazy Ivan too. We've cracked the Crazy Ivan. It's, yeah, it is delicious. And, yeah, oh. can you tell us about Crazy Ivan? So getting back to the, and, and I'll just... Uh, I'll just digress a little bit back to Elbow and just remind um, listeners that uh, when I opened the brewery, we, we named the brewery after a dead bloke and um, we wanted to name the beers after local living legends. And Crazy Ivan was a, or still is a very good mate of mine. And um, I, I not, not a doctor, but I... I diagnosed him with adult ADHD uh, because he, he's, he's, quite, he's quite nuts. He's a lot of fun. And so I thought, oh, my God, I've got to have a beer named after you. And I, I know the viewers at home won't see this, but every time you greet Ivan, he, you, get, you get these big, you get the big jazz <laughs> hand waves. 
and, and, and a beaming smile, and he'll be sweating profusely. And, and so I went, oh, mate, you need a beer named after you. And uh, hello, Crazy Ivan, West Coast IPA. Um, one thing I will point out is, unfortunately, uh, and, and I suppose we'll talk about it a little bit later, is we, we have just done a rebrand. So the Crazy Ivan I sent you guys is our old branded cans because literally we have sold out of Crazy Ivan. Wow. So is this core range? I wasn't sure if it was or not. Core range, 100% core range. No. And in, in my opinion, uh, uh, just a, it's my favourite beer that we produce. I asked my bar staff to cut me off after three and send me home after four. So uh, I love this beer. It is, a, it is just a classic example of a beautiful West Coast IPA. Because I was wondering, because I wondered whether this was a single sort of one, because it does have a different look in uh, our sort of can range. Yeah, I, um, I'm sorry about that, guys. I, yeah, I did mean to tell you that you you got the old packaging for that. Just I just didn't have it. Got packaged. It got uh, cans yesterday, so I just couldn't. It just wouldn't have made the podcast. No, no, it's all, it's all good. But I love the tagline that because we we talk a lot about marketing. We talk a lot about how you represent your brand and the beer with characters line. I think is very much on on that one. And can you talk to us a bit about what that line might mean? And yeah, well, once again, it does get back to you know. Naming the beers about local people and naming, you know, naming, you know, including your your community in your journey. We're very much, Willie the Boatman's very much a community-based um, brewery where I, I pride myself on or and, and I, I pride the fact that we own, I own a space that the community is all very welcoming Um and so beer with characters just kind of fitted the what the I suppose the ethos of the company and the fact that a lot of our beers are named after our friends and people who drink at our brewery, like the Prime Minister. I still, you do not know, and maybe you do, but for our overseas listeners, it's going to freak them out completely. We have so many, you know, UK, US, and the, the idea that the head of state just wanders in front on a Sunday afternoon. Particularly with their dog. Well, I, uh, I, I, I love the fact that, like, that, that Simpsons episode, the Australian one. Oh, where, isn't that awesome? With the yeah, yeah, and, it, yeah, like, right? you, yeah, if, if Albo was floating along in a blow-up tyre behind you in that beautiful setting you've got there, like, that would be the, the ideal image of what, what I think Australians think. Uh, Can I go one step further, which is uh, I lead a very weird life, as people listen to the podcast know. I spent um, much of Tuesday afternoon with students uh, visiting the city of Melbourne from the University of Washington. And I was trying to explain how much one of my favourite stories about Australia was that the Australian Prime Minister, Bob Hawke, then in his 80s, when he wandered out of the MCG... Uh, was going to go back into the city and a bunch of young larrikins were in a taxi and said, you know, ah, Hawkey, 
do you want to jump in the car and come with us to the city and without any security detail or anything else? You know, he basically said, oh, have you got a stubby for me? Yes, I'll jump in. <laughs> and that's how things happen in Australia if you're the head of state. Yeah. And I can just see these guys, it was just, these were really good kids. They were MBAs and others, you know, yeah, serious 30-year-old students, and they couldn't, could not fathom what it meant to be a head of state going, yeah, yeah of course I'll get a random taxi. <laughs> And it's not being a bad thing and not being some sort of... Yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Egalitarian. Yeah, yeah. And, and the crazy bit, to take us on that tangent, which we often do, the crazy bit is there's people in Australia who think these people are out of touch, like that you couldn't actually get in touch with your minister and ask them something if you genuinely cared about it and, and get a... And, get them to care about things that you care about. It's just mind-blowing. Like, uh, the yeah. fact that, yeah, it's like they think that they're all driven by by multi-billion dollar companies and not or by... Or 5G chips. Or 5G chips, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, that it is, it, it, okay. it blows my mind that they don't believe that if they got involved in the system that, 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 that kind of dictates a large part of their life, that they could actually... They could actually not only learn but but go grow and change that system. It's just mind blowing. Like it just... oh, it's, yeah, it's extraordinary. I mean, uh, I mean, no, the, I mean, I love I love politics. Obviously, yeah. I've got a beer named after one. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, the, the the fact that people, uh, uh, you know, the, the or what the, I suppose my point that I'm trying to make is the great thing about the, the Australian political system. It is. Uh, it is essentially a very much a grassroots uh-huh. system where if if you're not in and about your community, you'll never get in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think now is about the right time to ask a couple of our other traditional call room questions. If any of our friends in the Zoom room have a question, type them in there into the chat and we'll make sure you can unmute and ask them. We'll take care of that. But we have a very traditional question, and again, reminding people who've been listening from the start. Has there been people listening live? Oh, yeah. Oh, hi. (laughs) Pat, you chose not to see any of the questions before time, and so you may not know what our most traditional call room questions is. Mr. Warren Wu, do you want to ask the traditional call room question? Yeah, so... Um, what is, like, so after, after a good 10 years, in the, uh, uh, 10 years of doing what you're doing. It's okay, I can edit, edit this for it. Yeah, no great. Way, um, yeah. The traditional cool room question is, what is the craziest, most amusing, confronting, ridiculous thing you've seen in a cool room? Explosive. Explosive. We've got a lot Leaky of explosive. Time. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, naked. You know, the most of the naked thing you've seen in a cool room. So, yeah, uh, yeah. what's the craziest thing you've seen in a cool room? And in cool room, we say any hospitality slash brewing environment. But, yeah, have you got a, uh, have you got a story for us? You know, short answer, no. Oh, oh that's great radio. It, I hate to put you. No. I we've had troves and troves of men dressed as dinosaurs and 
men in leotards and and nothing inside the Quran. Well, not in the Quran. Nothing crazy in the Quran. What's the, what's in the Quran? Kegs. Well, can I ask, no. what did you do? We, we basically haven't asked, what did you do before you were a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did you work hospo before you were sort of doing No, that? see, this is, oh, look at look how good I look in this light. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's golden hour. We love uh, it. Uh, <laughs> but what's the thing behind you? Yeah, what's that big, long, uh, uh, fallacy looking that thing? Phallic, phallic yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's your bollard to tie your uh, bow. Oh, your bow too. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the same bollard. It's cha- it looks quite magnificent in, in, in the gold it's hour. The golden hour. It's the golden hour. Should I just do something like that? No. Anyway, um, yeah, look, I, uh, look. So I was a television producer, and I I, uh, I started my career in my mid-20s at SBS, and I wanted to be a serious documentary maker. And then I got married, had children, and realised that I couldn't afford to be a serious documentary maker because there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that my art... I couldn't afford to die for my art. My art had to die for me. And so I went into reality television. So uh, I um, I did shows like, uh, you know, I call them like the worst day of the life shows. So I, um, well, actually, I'll just get back. I ended up, I, I, I did do some medical, I did a lot of medical documentaries in America for Discovery Health and stuff like that. And, and I used the word documentary very loosely when you work for Discovery. Um, I call them documentaries. Um, and I did some African wildlife stuff, which was amazing. And then I came back to Australia because I, uh, I had my first child, Ruby. And, uh, and, I, and then I, I moved into the worst day of your life, that, uh, um, television, which is, you know, like border security, for instance. So, you know, oh, I've just been uh, arrested because I've got five kilos of uh, cocaine up my crack. And, oh, uh, have or, I? <laughs> yeah, but have I? Yeah. Yes, you have, son. Um, and so I did border security for a number of years. I did the force, which was with New South Wales. Oh, hang on. I've got to stop a can from going into Lake Illawarra. Hang on. Stand by. Oh, just, just hope I don't fall in. Got it. Right, eh? Saved. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, I did the force, which was with the New South Wales Police Force. I did an RPA. Hmm. I, I, I had a moment of chasing ambulances. And That's Royal Prince Alfred people. for those overseas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a hospital show, yes, which uh, essentially I, was, I wouldn't say I was an ambulance chaser because we, we, we waited for the ambulances just to come into the emergency ward. That's the yeah. That's that's how I I was. I did have that in mind. Yeah. Hi, Jen. If you're listening, you're, you're an amazing human being, and you do way more than just chase ambulances. Uh, and then, um, and then I ended up in Better Homes and Gardens because I was uh, by that stage I was a Channel Seven employee, and they yeah. had no they had no other shows, and I didn't want to go back to. Border security, so they had no other show to put me on. So they put me on Better Homes and Gardens, and uh, literally, uh, that's when I chose to open a brewery. <laughs> so thought, it was like a uh, a cemetery of uh, uh, you know uh, TV producers sitting in here, just 
rolling out the same story year after year. Oh, Graham Ross is going to plant daffodils and we're going to prune the tomatoes and we're going to build a pergola. In saying that, I did get a lot of good shit happen in my garden and I did actually get a <laughs> pergola built at my house, which would have cost tens of thousands of dollars. So and, you've were... learned, and you've learned never to prune daffodils or try to, you know, eat them daffodils. Oh, 100%. So, look, there were some really good things that came out of that show, but uh, but the, the best thing that came out of uh, Better Homes and Gardens was Willie the Boatman Brewery. Hmm. Wonderful. That is awesome. Look, I think we're going to wrap up the recorded bit of things because I'm really worried about the way you pace around and on that uh, that little journey yeah. there. Yeah. I, I worry oh, we I'm have some sorry. sort of safety. No, no. Sure, it's your life. I just don't have, want to have uh, occupational health and safety responsibility. Therefore, um, I've sat down. <laughs> we can we can continue this, and this is the joy of the Thursday night Zoom room that we can stop recording things and then have a really honest conversation. But I, I want to ask, what does what's your reflection on the changes in industry in the industry in twenty twenty three? Uh, what do you? What are you going to be doing in twenty twenty four? Give us some excitement about the about the venture. Oh, hopefully, I'm not back to television producing. Uh, <laughs> uh, industry twenty twenty three hardest year of the ten years yet. Um, I um, I don't think I'll be the only brewery owner saying that. No. No. Um, I don't. Sadly, don't think that the fall of uh, breweries has finished yet, and I think that will continue into 2024. Um, unfortunately, I think the days of mum and dad breweries, such as Willie the Boatman, are gone, uh, unless you've got 10 million bucks and more, uh, plus. Uh, don't even think about it. Um, and I think, uh, like, uh, wineries in the nine, uh, late nineties and early two thousands, I, uh, I think now this is a money game. It's not a passion game. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask, and this is one of those ones where I will happily edit it out later. You've, you've just sort of said that it's hard to see how the future of breweries like Willie the Boatman go on. Hmm. Like, how, how, do, how do you feel about doing it again next year? And I guess the question we kind of ask and Warren asks it better than I do at times is that sort of if you had your time over mm. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, like, would you do it again? If No. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, 100%. And in all seriousness, yes, 100%, I would do it again because I've absolutely loved it the last decade. Um, I've had a couple of years in a funk because the business wasn't doing that well. And uh, and I was thinking about this on the way, driving home tonight, thinking about this question. And you know the thing that got me out of my funk because um, I I was, because we don't have a sales, we have two salespeople. There's myself and Blake who does a terrific job. He sells way more booze than I do. But um, I was forced one night, I had, to, I had a client and they bought a bit of booze, and a, a good amount of booze for a, a brewery our size office. 
And they said, Pat, but the only thing we want you to do the tasting. And I went and I did the tasting and I didn't announce myself as Pat, the owner of Willie the Boatman. I was just Pat from Willie the Boatman. And the amazing feedback I got about our brand and the really great things that people said about not only our beer, but, but, but not, not about our beer, but said about our brand. It just sparked something back in me about 18 months ago or 12 months ago, I should say, and it just made me incredibly passionate about our business again. And it's really nice. I still do tastings every week now. I go out and I don't tell people that I'm the, I'm the guy who started the company. I'm just the sales rep. And one thing I really enjoy is the honesty I get from the punters in the shops about our beer and why they love it, why they hate it, what they love about our brand. But most, um, most of it is really positive because a lot of people over 10 years have been to our brewery now and they all tell me what a fantastic time they've had in a place that I created. And I can't tell you... Uh, I can't explain or express the joy that gives me. But that's a really, it's hard to imagine where we could go with an interview from there. I think now is the right time to press pause on the interview. But can I just say, what a fantastic place to finish up the Thursday night Zoom rooms here in the cool room. We're going to sit around and have another couple of beers. That's what we do. Uh, We're going to stop recording and make... Uh, one of the most honest and refreshing and exciting yeah. uh, conversations we've had in a long time. I think, Mr. Warren Wu, uh, I'm going to wish Pat Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry absolutely. Christmas to you. And yeah, Merry what a Christmas to you guys too. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah, Merry Christmas, that guys. Was, that was terrific. That was, yeah. Thanks for your time and, and all of you. That, those wonderful answers. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't swear too much. 